The following is a hoop ball presentation. What's up, Grizz Nation? Welcome back to the show. It's David and Isaac. This is Hoop Ball Grizz. The Memphis Grizzlies travel down to Tampa. They take care of business 109 to 99 against the Toronto Raptors. And I struggle with that. I almost said the Tampa Bay Raptors, even <laughs> though I know that's not what it is. This has been screwing me up all year. Before we get into the game, Russell Westbrook is going to get some love from me. If you hate him, I don't care. I love him. You can hate me for loving him. I'm fine with that. <laughs> he, he's been my kid's favorite player for a long time, so I, I followed him. Uh, we, we went to a ton of OKC games, and anywhere that he has gone, we, we've tried to go to those games so my kid can get a chance to see him. But he tied uh, triple-double number 181 tonight, ties Oscar Robertson for the NBA lead and could easily pass him with the remaining games this season. Kudos to him. I, I love – I've never been – let me take that back. I tell you, I've been to I've been in one place where like a, a franchise record or some like a big milestone was hit. Um, I was in Chicago at a White Sox game. Uh, Paul Canerco, he was uh, he was one home run away from like number two hundred, two or three hundred. Yep. I don't remember what I remember, it was. I remember, I remember that game. And and he uh I, I missed it. He didn't hit it at the game that I was at. He smashed one. And I'm like, oh, that's gone. Warning track. Caught it the warning track. Did he, you know, he hit the ball oh, hard. Yeah. yeah, I remember that. I remember time, that. Every at bat. And I'm like, man, I'm never going to get to see a milestone. Like at that point in my life, I'm like, never going to get to see a milestone. <laughs> then I was actually, I was at the forum when uh, Conley became the uh, franchise leading scorer for the Grizzlies. So that that has been the one yeah. thing that I've been there live for. That was huge. That's a big thing. As a Grizzly fan, that was incredible that, you know, the, the video and everything like that whole scenario was great. Lo- love seeing it. Um, but, but this is awesome. I, I love watching historically great guys doing historically great things. And he doesn't get nearly enough credit, man, that this is triple doubles are not easy to come by. You can call him a stat pattern or, or whatever, you know, negative term that you want to use to try and tear down what he's doing. But the fact of the matter is He's in elite territory, man. There, there's three other guys in the conversation. Or not three other guys. There's two other guys in the conversations when you're talking about triple doubles. And both of those guys are Hall of Fame, all-time great players. Yeah, I mean, I, I've never been a fan of his personally, but I definitely don't deny what, what he what, what he's doing. I mean, uh, to, to tie Oscar Robinson, I mean, that's an amazing feat. I mean, that's a record that, you probably thought nobody would, would get close to. And, I mean, the fact that he's tied it, and I think he probably definitely breaks it before the season is over. I mean, just monster numbers, like video game numbers, I call them. 33 points, 19 rebounds, 15 assists. I mean, do you know how hard that is to do? Like, I mean, people <laughs> think, I mean, these guys, I mean, you have these just superstar-like players out there night in and night out, and you don't see guys put up those type of numbers. I mean, it, 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 that's not an easy thing to do to score 33 points and also – this year, 15 assists. I mean, that's not an easy, easy feat. And, I mean, since he came into the league, I mean, he's just put up just insane numbers. And you have to respect it, whether you like him or not. I mean, the fact that he wasn't even an all-star this year, I thought that was crazy. And, and again, I'm yeah. not a not a fan of his, but it's crazy for a guy that's that puts up triple doubles and a, like he does 
to not end up in an all-star game. I mean, I, I thought he was definitely stubbed. I know people talk about he struggled a little bit early in the year. But, but again, I think the thing of late with him is that now that he's putting up these numbers, the team is actually winning basketball games. Yeah. Uh, and, yeah. and I think his, his, I think his numbers that he's putting up is helping them win, and they're going to probably end up in the play-in, which is something that you looked at two months ago and it definitely didn't, didn't look like they'd end up there. So, man, yeah, shout-out to, to Russ Westbrook, man. I have a lot of respect for him. Like I said, I, I haven't liked some of the things that he's done and said in the past, but, I mean, he's a tremendous player, and I don't think anybody could deny that. These people that try to downplay that, I think they just don't like him, and they kind of have a bias towards him. But I definitely give him respect for what he's doing. Yeah, there's definitely a – it doesn't feel like there's any in between with him. He's either a guy that you like or you don't. There's I, I don't know that I've ever met anybody that that is on the fence with him because he does enough stuff to if you're if you're a person that's looking for a reason not to like him, he gives you plenty of reasons not to like him. So I, I just wanted to I wanted to talk about that just because that's a historical moment in the NBA. This is a Grizzlies podcast. We'll get back to this Grizzlies game. But that, that that's big. That's huge stuff. That's records. Anytime that you become tie or become an all-time leader in any type of statistical category, you're doing something right. Unless I guess you know if you led the NBA in missed free throws, maybe, <laughs> maybe that that's a bad stat to uh, be the turnovers. all-time leader in. I guess that means yeah, our turnovers. The Grizzlies, uh, man, almost everybody on the roster was turning the ball over tonight. But yeah, that's been a problem. Yeah, let, let, let's jump into this game, man. So, Jaron Jackson Jr. returns to the starting lineup. Welcome plays, back, man. Yeah, just under 26 minutes. Isaac and I were talking about this right before we started recording, and I told Isaac it felt like the game flowed better because Jaron started. And it could be, is it a possibility that that is because the Grizzlies won the game? Yes, but there was never a game. I think they've won one game since he's been back when he played. And even in that yeah, win, it's, it's always felt that th- there was nothing smooth about the game. It felt like there was always a lot of peaks and valleys in the game. And it felt like this game, you know, like I said, a lot of turnovers, 17 turnovers tonight led to 20 Raptors points. And that's what allowed the Raptors to be in it for so long. And they, they just kept making jaw had four and then almost everybody else had two. So it wasn't just one person that was not taking care of the ball tonight. You know, it it was pretty well team wide. Even Tyus Jones got in on it. He didn't have two, but he did have a turnover and, you know, he played 10 minutes tonight and that's, you know, Tyus doesn't turn the ball over much. We, we can handle one every now and then. Yeah. With with the Jared stuff, I I agree. I felt like it it looked right. It looked natural uh, tonight. And, Early on, with him coming off the bench, I just think there was so much going on during that time. I mean, you had the justice stuff going on where you're trying to make him be the backup point guard and see how that worked, the kind of experiment that, that didn't really work out. You had that going on. Then you throw Jared in the mix, who is a guy who's your 1B player by, with, along behind John. When he's coming in with the bench unit, they're thinking, well, this guy, we know this is one of our guys, and he's going to get shots up, so maybe – I shouldn't take as many shots as I used to take. And I just think it kind of threw everything off because I just don't think they knew how to handle it. Now, hopefully, I mean, they got five games left. Things look better tonight, even though they didn't really play well tonight. Uh, luckily, they were playing against a short-handed Raptors team. If that team was full strength, maybe I think 
they might have lost this game. But but who knows? I mean, with this team, they seem to show up better when, when teams are healthy. So who knows what would have happened. But they did play, play particularly well tonight. But I, I kind of like some things that I saw as far as the rotation. And guys did look a little bit more comfortable in their roles. And that's something that that's important. I mean, you got five games left before the play-in. You need to get this thing figured out. And we've talked about this over the last couple of weeks. It just seemed to be haphazard. A, a little bit in, in these last several games. And tonight it feels like things might might be tightening back up and we might find out this might be how Taylor Jenkins plans to deploy these guys going forward into the play. And I think that's something that has to get nailed down right now. I think it's it's late even now, but I think it's good to, to kind of see that head in that direction. So this is something that I loved about the, the post-game press conference tonight. And one of the early questions asked to Taylor Jenkins, they were talking about the rotation and how Conchar came in. He played a little bit in the first half. He played four minutes in the first half. Didn't hardly see any. Did he even play? He didn't play at all in the second half, did he? I no, don't he didn't play in the second half. And so the question was asked to Jenkins, was that your plan? And I'm pretty sure it was Joe that asked the question. Was that the plan? Or were you tightening up the rotation based off of Phil? And Jenkins said it was just a feel thing. As the game got tighter, we shortened it up. The initial plan is a 10-man rotation, but as the Love game got here. tighter, they, they shortened it up. And so that, that's that been a huge question mark, maybe not for everybody, but for me, I've worried if Taylor Jenkins was just going to be very methodical and not make a whole lot of changes. And, and that's uh, Budenholzer, you know, he came from Milwaukee. He actually, you know, I guess Same he start, start, started in San Antonio, but he was in Milwaukee before he came to Memphis. And Budenholzer is notorious for not making yeah, adjustments. He's not an adjustment guy, no. And, and I, I was scared. I was scared to death. I'm like, man, we're going to get Budenholzer Jr. here. <laughs> and this dude's not going to make any adjustments. And in tonight's game, he said, hey, it, it was Phil. We felt like this is what we needed to do, so we shortened it up. And the, Later on in the in the press conference, he used the word Phil again. And I'm just like, I'm clapping. You know, I'm in here. I'm, I'm <laughs> clapping my hands. I'm like, yes, that's what I'm talking about. And, and that question was in relation to Jaron on them closing without Jaron. They closed with uh, Kyle, JV, Dylan, Jai, and, and Melton. And the question was asked, was that a minute restriction thing? Or is that just a feel because this was working? And he said that they're staying aware of what, like the minutes that Jaron is playing, but it was a feel thing. They were, they were effective with that lineup on the floor. If there was a momentum shift or something and he felt like Jaron needed to come back in, he was still available to get out there and play. So, you know, maybe 25 minutes is kind of the limit that they're looking at, that they're trying to stay within. But at this point in the season, it seems like he's willing to go more off of the feel of the game rather than, this is dead set at, you know, seven minutes in the first quarter. BC you got to rotate up. these guys out. Yeah. At, at, yeah. yeah. You know, and, and I'm so happy to see that. And that sounds like a very small victory, and it is. But from the beginning of the season, I'm worried uh, we're, we're not going to see it. It's going to be awful. There's not going to be any changes. And they're just going to, when, when it comes down to crunch time, they're going to get beat to a pulp because he's not going to make the adjustments. Like I said, hashtag you love to see it because, I mean, there's been times this season where he hasn't made those adjustments. You've seen games go a certain way and you think, well, at this point, maybe you need to leave this guy in longer because we you don't want to rotate John Conchar and, 
in McDermott ends up like times when they had guys on the injured list uh, and, and they were shorthanded. You'd see these times where he'd leave these bad lineups out there and let these teams run off on them and not make adjustments. So, I mean, just just the, him saying that, going on go the word feel, I think is a victory. I think that's what you want to see. Because like you said, coming from from the, under Budenholzer, is a guy that doesn't make adjustments. And we had seen that a lot with Taylor Jenkins. So hopefully this is, this is growth. I mean, you are in a situation now where the, every game is important and you need to have the requisite lineups out there at the, at the right time to to try to win these games. I mean, you can, there's certain lineups, if it's not working, go off the field, make the adjustment, and, and, and switch guys out and get, get the lineup in there that you need. And, and I think that's was good to hear. I, I, that stood out to me as well in the press conference, and I was glad to hear him say that. Yeah. Big night. We, we talked about this in a number of, di- number of different games this year. Seven guys in double figures. That's the type of box score that you see when the Grizzlies win games. Kyle Anderson had 16. Jaron Jackson had 20. JV had 18 and 21 rebounds. Brooks had 14. Very efficient night for him, too, and that's good. You know, Dylan Brooks, uh, when he is the number two option, there's a lot of times it feels like he forces shots up, and I think he was a lot more selective tonight. There were a couple maybe questionable shots, but I'm he he makes tough shots. That Dylan Brooks, first of his name, maker yeah, of tough I shots. Mean, that's what, that's, yeah, what, that's, what, that's what that man does. So he he is he took some kind of off balance shots in the paint that I'm okay with him taking. They, they kind of look weird, and it used to it used to drive me nuts. Yeah, I was gonna I would say he makes. Uh, yeah, I was gonna say he makes some shots even tougher than they have to be. I'm like, why why did you have to lean like that? You could have just straight up shot the shot. But yeah, that's what he does, man. He makes. Tough shots, and that's where what he's out there for. That's why I don't. I used to get really upset when, when some of these shots that he takes, but I I've seen him knock down these shots, so I know he can make them. It might, you might think it was a bad shot, or someone else took them, but with him, I mean, that's what he does. So I don't get really upset with most of the shots that he takes down. Yeah, the same way, man. I, I like if he's in the probably twelve to eighteen foot range. If he's taking one Let of those shots, yeah, I'm he, he's making the majority of those. Like I'm I'm comfortable with him taking that shot because that's kind of his sweet spot. Desmond Bain had 10 off the bench. He was four for nine, two for six from three. DeAnthony Melton got hot in the fourth. Man, man glad and, to see that shot back, man. Man, you you are not kidding. That that is I tweeted out during the game. It felt like he lost confidence in his shot. And then tonight. When he started, when he got hot, oh, you could just see it really like there was zero hesitation. It was in rhythm, straight up, no hesitation. He knew that he was shooting the shots, and that's when he got hot. You know, he he hit uh, what three in a row and then missed a couple and knocked down some yeah. more. But it, yeah, you know, he, he, that, he was, I was going to say he had that. I was going to say he, sorry, he had that one where um, he, he dribbled and let let the shot clock go down to like two. And I mean, he would. It was just no hesitation. The guy was in his face and just pulled up and knocked it down. I, I was like, he's feeling it. Like I, I was like, I, I love it because when he when he gets going, man, he'll let it fly every time he go, comes down there. And you you start to think every one of those things are going in, man. And it, it's it's fun when he gets going. I just love his energy and, and 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 what he brings to the floor. But yeah, man, he got cooking in that fourth quarter. And glad to have that back because that's an element that I think really changes his team. If he can come off the bench and knock down threes like that, I mean, that just adds a different element, and you get. I mean, you get guys back. I mean, you got DB who can knock down threes. Man, Jai is kind of showing the propensity to knock down threes here in April. Um, and, I mean, you get Grayson Allen back. I mean, that just brings 
another element to this team. I mean, when they make three pointers, they they usually win. Now tonight it wasn't fantastic. I mean, they're fourteen and forty three for thirty two cent, but they were plus twelve um, in, in points. So they knocked down fourteen, and Toronto knocked down ten. So and big Anthony Belton was a big part of that, man. So anytime this team knocks down threes and they have a guy like that, plus forty percent, it, it's fantastic. Yeah, shout out to the the guys over at Fast Break Breakfast. Uh, they tweeted this out. DeAnthony Melton became the third player in Grizzlies franchise history to make five threes in a fourth quarter, joining Troy Daniels and Mike Miller. So, short list, and he he had been bad lately. The shot was yeah. not falling. He always comes out. He always plays with heart. He always gives you the effort. He's always playing good defense. Even though his offensive numbers aren't showing it, he's always going to bring everything that he's got every time that he's out there. And he talked about that tonight in the presser, talking about uh, his his high school coach telling him if he didn't play hard, he wasn't getting out there. And so that's been his mentality since then. Yeah, you and can it see all, it. it all comes from heart. And you can see, even when the shots are not falling, he's playing hard. He's out there trying to do something. And him knocking down these shots, being this guy that, that's – you know, I think that uh, Pete and Brevin said on the broadcast over the last month he's been like twenty percent from three, or not the last, maybe the last eight games is what they said. It yeah, was something of that eight. nature. But you know, five for ten tonight, and, and that's huge. If he's knocking down shots, that makes the Grizzlies pretty tough to beat because that opens the floor up for other guys. And, and it, it's it's tough for me. I I know nobody wants to hear about my fantasy team, but. <laughs> I dropped I, I dropped the Anthony Melton because I felt like when I picked him up, he started playing bad. I'm like, that's my fault. My fault, guys. I dropped him. He comes out. He drops 15 tonight, knocks down five threes. He's back on track. I'll never have him on my fantasy team again. One thing I do want to talk about is, is Tyus Jones. I uh, only played 11 minutes tonight, two points, two rebounds, one or three from the field, or two from three. and He's really struggled lately. He's really struggled since coming back into the rotation after the at the end of the Justice Winslow experiment. How much of an effect do you think him not playing well and not having what you usually usually get from him is affecting this team and and not allowing them to play at the level that they used to play at? I go back to the bubble for this one, man. You look at what happened to this team before he went down. Like, like how they were playing before he went down and then how they played in the bubble without him. They just did not have another guy that can run this offense. So I think that it can have a huge impact on the team, but they do have players this year. Desmond Bain has been fabulous They're all fantastic. year long. And we, we gas him up all the time. But I think if you go back to last year, if you had a guy that was capable like Desmond Bain on that roster, I think you see a different team in the bubble. We, we have seen Tyus not playing and what it can do to this team and how the second unit does without him, and it hasn't looked good. But I feel like Desmond Bain does enough. He, he is more than capable of being a playmaker. He has great vision, can fire crispy passes all over the court, he does a lot of things great as a playmaker, and that's a guy that they didn't have last year. They didn't have anybody with that archetype, that like that that build. There was nobody on the roster 
with Desmond Bain's build, and I, and I mean build as in like the way that he plays the game, not you know because he's swole. Obviously, nobody was like that last year, but <laughs> you know, like in the way that they didn't have anybody like that last year, and they have Bain now, so Tyus is struggling, and some of it may. Maybe it's the minutes. I, I don't know why he's struggling, but I think last year it was a bigger impact than it's going to be this year just because they have other guys that can be playmakers. Yeah, Bain definitely brings a, a different element, that something that they didn't have because Grayson is not a guy that's going to make a lot of plays for, for others. I mean, he, he can knock down threes when he's in rhythm, uh, which he's been off. because Just in and out of the lineup with injuries, he'll get hot then. Get injured, come back, struggle a little bit. We've seen that, but he's not a guy that's going to make plays for others. Uh, and De'Anthony Melton didn't wasn't shooting the basketball uh, the way that he is now. So he definitely brings a different element—a guy that can do a little bit of everything. I mean, just a knockdown three-point shooter, but he can also sneaky good defensively. I don't think he gets enough credit for his defense. Uh, he can do a lot of things. I mean, slash to the basket, he just plays so hard. Uh, pretty pretty good rebounder. Uh, like I said, good passer. Just a high basketball IQ player and I just I just love what he brings to this team I mean I I think about it all the time I'm like I'm thinking about they got this guy at 30 and the Boston Boston basically after <laughs> fleeced us or in, in, in a deal for Jeff Green we wanted that pick that long I feel like they repaid us and we got him back by them giving us give, basically giving us Desmond Bain and it's it's fantastic man and and, and this team for so long has not have the requisite shooting ability. I mean, that's what we've been looking for for years, and to finally have a guy that can do that is fantastic. But again, I mean, people coming in thought he was just a standstill. This guy's just a standstill shooter. Pass the ball, he shoots. He does so much more for, than that for this team. Yeah. And yeah. being a rookie, it's just, I mean, him and Tillman, I think, are far advanced. And that's, I think that's the thing about taking older, older guys uh, in the draft. They just, they look like they have more experience. These are one of them look like rookies. I mean, you don't see a lot of plays from Bain or Tillman that look like they're rookies. They look like guys that have been in, in the league two or three years, like they belong out there. And I, I just love watching watching Bain play it again. He gets to the guy that can do much of everything and can replace some of that playmaking that Tyus has it, that he is bringing right now. Hopefully Tyus gets back on, on track. I think him being out of the rotation and coming back in, I think maybe the minutes are kind of sporadic and maybe he's – looking over his shoulder now, thinking, well, I, I'm not playing well. I've been out of the rotation. Maybe I got to come here and force things a little bit. I think maybe he's just in his head a little bit right now. So hopefully he'll come back around because I think he can, can can change his team a little bit in that second unit with, with what he can bring. But he's really struggling right now. But, again, Bain has been fantastic. Another another really good game tonight from him. Yeah. I I don't want to take – when I say this, I don't want to take anything away from Bain, but – I think you have to give credit to the coaching staff for putting these guys and by these guys, Bain and Tillman in particular in a position to be successful. You know, these guys have put in the work to get to this level, but you see it time and time again, that a, a, a guy is talented coming out of high school or coming out of college and they don't get put in a good situation and it doesn't work out for him. And I think that, you know, Taylor Jenkins and this coaching staff, for as critical as we have been for, for of them, they, they do a good job with a lot of things. And, and I'm not, like, I'm not backpedaling on the things that we've criticized them about because they deserve that criticism. But there are a lot of things that I, I don't think that we give them enough credit for. And I think player development is one of those things. 
Yeah, I kind of view it the same way I, I view the front office. I mean, the front office is not home runs in almost every area. There's some things that I feel like they could could change up a little bit. I think it's the same thing with the coaching staff. I think Taylor Jenkins does a lot of things well. Player development is definitely high up on that list. Um, I think in managing man, the way they've been able to continue to win games when you've had major rotation guys out, I give him a lot of credit for that as well. I mean, he's done some really good things for this team to be in this position. Young team, and he's also a young head coach. For them to be, I guess, overachieving for where you think they are, I think that's credit in itself. I think he'll be, if you look at a top 10 list of coach of the year, I think Taylor Jenkins has to be on that. And even I've been hard on him. I was late, and I still think that he probably belongs on that list just because of where they are when you're missing Jaron almost all year to be in this position. And, and again, we get caught up in the moment and, and feel like this team should be ahead of where they are. And I think maybe they could be, but even where they are, I think, under the circumstances, this is just not something that you see on a normal basis for a team to have a complete teardown. And in year two, you're missing as young as this team, as young as team in the NBA, you're missing your one B player almost all year. And you're in a playoff line. That's just something that you're not going to see all the time. So if you're going to criticize the coaches for what they're doing to Taylor Jenkins, you got to give them credit where credit is due. And I definitely give them credit for a lot of things, even though, I criticize them as well. I think you can, you have to go be you have to be able to do go on both sides of the spectrum and, and view it from that way. And again, he's done a tremendous job, I think, for keeping things under control. Because I mean, this is a young team with with Jaron out and all the injuries that they had. They could have folded up and, and just said, "Okay, well, we're we're not supposed to be here anyway. We're not gonna we're just gonna kind of fold up." And they did not do that at all. And you got to give the coaching staff some credit for that. Yeah, and I. I think that we do a great job, and I hate to, I'm not trying to dislocate my shoulder to pat myself on the back or pat us <laughs> on the back, but but I think that we do a good job of kind of, you know, if there's something that needs criticism, we're not scared to talk about it. This is not a, oh, you know, we're not apologists for the franchise. When they screw something up, we're like, hey, th- this is not yeah, acceptable. Yeah, screwed it up. And that, that's important to me. I listen to a lot of different, you know, I watch a lot of shows, listen to a lot of different broadcasts. And and there's some guys that I listen to that they will never be critical about the team that they're covering. And that's why I think Pete and Brevin are probably, I I know I'm biased because I'm a Grizzlies fan and I, I listen to them all the time, but in the bubble, whenever I was, you know, I was working, uh, I was working evening shift at the time. And so I'm, I'm watching all of these games and I can't tell you that there were so many just awful, awful announcers. I'm like, we don't realize how good we've got it as Grizzlies fans. We literally have two of the best in the business calling these games for us because, you know, Brevin, I love listening to him breaking down the game. He was talking about uh, when JV was out there and, and, you know, they had no answer for him. He's like, they got to run the, run the same play until they stop it, until they do something, run the same play. And that was not his exact words, but that's what he was getting at. He was talking about the Raptors defense, their lack of physicality. And and they did the Grizzlies came down, they got JV the ball and it was on the the play that Kyle made there. He passed up the three and then done the Tim Duncan esque uh, bank shot. Beautiful. You know, it, it was let JV get in there, and if they double-team him, that's going to leave somebody open, and that's exactly what happened. Kyle took advantage of it. it it's 
just listening to those guys talk about it, I, I've said a hundred million times that I love the sport and there's exciting moments, but good good commentators, good announcers make it that much better. And and we have two of the best. Yeah, there there's no doubt about that. I mean, I can't even put it into words. I've listened to a lot of commentators. I've probably heard pretty much everybody's broadcast team around the league, and there are some that are just bad. I mean, I, it's so bad that, I mean, I don't even know how they how they have jobs. I'm just being honest. But Brevin and Peter, I mean, they're so prepared. I mean, just to li- listen to Brevin. I mean, if you want to compare it to the NFL, it's very, very similar to what Tony Romo does. Brevin just breaks the game down in a way that you don't hear. Being a former NBA veteran, I mean, he's in point guard. He knows how, how, how offense is supposed to run and different things, and he breaks these things down in a way that you just don't hear other guys do. And I mean, and they're honest when when things are are going bad. They're not necessarily homers, but but he's honest when the fouls aren't on calling. Like I, I, there are times where I can just hear him. He tries to tries to hold back and not harp on the fishing, but sometimes things are so bad that he just has to say something. And I I like that as well. I like that they're not scared to to say something when 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 something happens. And in fact, that they they're able to do this and not be complete homers. I think that balance is what makes them so great. And even and Peter are definitely some of the best in the game, if not the best. And, and that's not just being a homer. I know people that aren't Grizzlies fans would say, oh, well, you just being a homer. We, our guys are just as good. No, they're not. They're not, yeah. not as <laughs> yeah. good as Peter Brevin, man. I, I really do think yeah. they're the best in the league, and that's not just because I'm a Grizzlies fan. I cover the team. There, there are a couple other announced teams that, that I like, that I enjoy listening to. I've watched a lot of Hornets games this year. Yeah, they're fantastic. And, and I love the 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 energy that they bring, and uh, and Del Curry is on that team, and yeah. he's another guy that played, and he's great at breaking it down, similar to what Brevin does. Um, but you know, th- th- there's other teams that I like, but you know, and like I say, I, I am biased because I'm a Grizzlies fan. But I think even outside of being a Grizzlies fan, if you listen to a lot of these other announced teams, you're going to be able to look and say, hey, th- these two. Are top tier. There, there's, there may be a, a couple other teams that are up there with them, but they're definitely not below anybody. That's for sure. Yeah, I've even heard some. I've talked to some people on Twitter of other fans uh, that that have somehow happened upon the upon the Grizzlies broadcast uh, when they were playing their team, and they've even commented on how good they are. And I don't want to call any guys out, but one team that I do think is it's not good is, is the Hawks. Uh, w. Wilkins is. It's rough, man. I I'll just say that. I think me and Sane had a conversation about that one time. I mean, a, a great player, Hall of Famer. I mean, I love everything he did. But as a as a commentator, some of the stuff that they say is just not good. Uh, and I'll yeah. just leave it at that. <laughs> so, just leave it at that. And that happens, you know, just because a guy was a good player doesn't mean that he's going to make a good announcer. It, it just doesn't always work out like uh, that. He's, he's brutal, man. <laughs> and I, I think one of the best examples of that is Shaq. Shaq yeah, is, he's not. He's on <laughs> TNT because of his personality, yep. and I like yep. Shaq's personality. But if you actually watch that and listen to some of the stuff that he tries to break to, down, yeah, man, <laughs> dude, dude is awful. Yeah, he, he's he is terrible. And I know that he knows the game. Like a lot of you, Chris you are really not, bad. You are not that good at the game and not know it. But he is not able to. Or I'm not going to say that he's not able to. That's the wrong term. He does not articulate his knowledge of the game very well on there. It's it's very generic. And it's frustrating. I, I don't watch a ton of TNT games. I love Ernie and Kenny, and Chuck makes me laugh. He's not that good either. But yeah, we're, we're kind of getting off 
way, way off of the game here, but you know, like this is all part of it. You know, the, these guys appreciate what you have, I guess is basically what we're, uh, what we're getting at. The, uh, you know, the team that we've got is phenomenal and just super glad after listening to a bunch of these other teams to have who we've got. Was there anything from tonight that you saw that just got under your skin? Oh, I mean, er early in the game, I think, and I kind of talked about this on Twitter, which they kind of went back to it later. I felt like they went away from from JV. Uh, I mean, you look at his stat line. I mean, he had 18 points, 21 rebounds. This is one of those nights where I think he could have had 35, I mean, if they had kept. Because, I mean, they had no answer for him at at all um, in this game. Uh, Birch definitely couldn't can't handle him in the post. And I think they went away from that a little bit and got three-point happy. I mean, that's what we see from this team. We saw it against Detroit. Uh, they just get three-point happy. The other team gets a couple threes, and they want to run up and down and shoot threes. And, and I've said it so many times, this team is not that. They're inside-out team. Once they get JV cooking in the paint, then you can – that opens up things on the outside, and that's usually how that works. But when they just become a straight-up jacking team just shooting threes, they usually struggle. And I felt like they did that a little bit, especially – bridge in the first to the second into the second quarter i think they kind of went away from that and in the second half they went back to it and, and i was happy to see it but that's kind of my only gripe tonight i mean it, they didn't play well overall i mean you, you play against a team that's extremely short-handed there's a big team that you should really handle and they really had to fight to to kind of win this one and i don't think that should be the case but it's just things are a little bit off with them right now i know i know exactly what it is i mean you, you you're doing a lot of different things again they're trying to get the, the rotation settled out maybe we're finally there, um, and I think that a lot of that had to do with trying to integrate Jerry Jackson Jr. back in the, in the mix. You've had the Winslow stuff going on, and you just come up from that. Grayson is, is out of the lineup now, and he's been starting. So a lot of moving parts here late in the season, and I think that's just has them a little bit off kilter, but uh, hopefully they got five games left. They can kind of work out some of these kinks, and, and we see the team that we saw uh, in, in Portland in those two games because I think that team is, is dangerous, and if you can get to that, get back to that, this team – any of those teams in the play-in, I mean, they could really give them problems if that's the level of play they're at. Right now, they're just not quite there. But, I mean, they got some time. They got four games at home to try to work this thing out. Yeah, I think you mentioned roles earlier, and I think that was a big thing. With Jaron coming off of the bench, there was no definition of roles. And you saw these guys kind of second-guessing their – maybe – unsure of what decisions they should make and it's with him starting that is gone you, you know Desmond knows when he's coming off the bench what he's doing Melton knows when he comes off the bench what he's doing BC knows even though that should be Tillman um, knows what his job is when he's coming <laughs> off of the bench so you know that they're the struggles what happens when Grayson comes back I honestly just hope they keep him out of the lineup and I may get hate for that, but when is he going to come back, one? And number two, if he does come back and you insert him back into the yeah, starting you, lineup. You don't need anything else going on with, with five games left trying to put him back in because if yeah. you put him back in, that means something else is going to happen down the roster, and they, they just don't need that right now. What, 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 you know, which moving part is going to get knocked out of whack whenever you do that? If you find any type of rhythm in these next few games without Grayson, I think you just keep him on the bench. Let him get yeah. healthy. And go go into next next season and, you know, ha- have the, the preseason. Get, just let him come back and be healthy. He struggled even since he's been in Memphis. 
it's been that you, you talked about it. He'll get hot, he'll play well, and then he'll have an injury. He comes back a little rough. He'll start to get in his rhythm again, play well, and you know, yeah, I, heard I, again, yeah. I, I think that he when when he went out for a little bit before this last abdominal strain there, it felt like there was something wrong because he never caught stride again. He, he struggled for a while there before he had this abdominal strain. And so, you know, I, I think just let him get healthy, man. And that's play with what you got. You're getting a rhythm down with the guys. You're trying to integrate a, a guy like Jaron Jackson. That is a high usage player. And I think you're figuring it out. So get this rhythm in these last few games and go into this play in in a good spot where you're not having to figure out who's moving where or who's not going to play because to me, there's no way that you can justify not playing DeAnthony Melton or Desmond Bain and, and Tyus, like th- there's nobody while you do have Bain, is he going to be your true second point guard? Is that how you're going to play? Or are you just going to move Tyus back to the bench, bring Grayson back in the rotation yeah, don't don't mess it up. I think that this game getting Jaron back into the starting lineup, and then your next two at home against. So you got the Pelicans on Monday, and then Tuesday. Dallas on Tuesday. Who was it? Yeah, the, the Mavericks Dallas on Tuesday. Get a get a day off on Wednesday, back to back Sacramento, and then that big uh, last game of the season at at San Francisco at the Warriors. So uh, it's coming coming fast and furious, man. Uh, not a lot of time, and and it scares me because. We all know how much Taylor Jenkins loves Grayson Allen. So if he's he's healthy this week, I, I have a bad feeling that there that he's gonna be possibly back in the starting lineup. And I mean not well not starting lineup, probably not now that Jaron's in there, but he's gonna play. Um, and, and that that scares me because I just don't think you need to mess with this right now. And I, I kind of wish he had went Tillman over over BC. Uh, because we've talked about this so much on this show, and I just think Tillman brings elements that BC doesn't bring. Now BC brings something that Tillman doesn't bring as well, but I think what Tillman does outweighs what, what BC gives you. I just think it's better. He's bigger. Uh, he, can, he can guard bigger players. He's stronger. And when BC's not not scoring, like he's not right now, he had two points tonight, or three from the field, or two from three. I mean, that he can hurt you at times out there. Um, I mean, but only, he just brings that athleticism. But if he can't score, that it, it's tough. But again, I mean, that's the decision that they made. But one thing that I did want to say is, I mean, a lot of people – talk like these guys are robots. These guys get, if, if you're used to starting, they're used to coming out the bench, and then that gets changed, which we saw a lot of this year with this team. That throws guys' rhythm off. I mean, I, I asked Bain, I can't remember what game that was, in the post-game press conference about how he's played better off the bench versus when, when he starts, and he, he pretty much said that he prefers to come out the bench. I mean, he, didn't, he wasn't going to say that, totally just say, I prefer to come out the bench because, I mean, these guys are competitive. I mean, you're in the NBA, you're not going to admit that out loud. But he, in so many words, that's what he said. And you throwing him in the starting lineup and then taking him back out, that those guys rhythm off. When you got five games left and you're in a close race for here for seeding, seven, eight, nine, ten, uh, wherever, wherever you can end up, wherever you end up landing, uh, probably eight, nine, and ten at this point, you, you just don't need to be messing with stuff like that. I mean, this this needs to get nailed out, and I'm hopefully what we saw tonight is it. But I, I have my doubts. I think if if Grayson is able to come back sometime next week and he's healthy, there's Still no really no timetable on that. I got a feeling they're going to try to throw him back in there somehow. And again, that's every every move you make like that with so much depth on this team, you're already trying to find minutes for guys. It's going to 
mess something else up. And, and again, that could throw the whole thing off because we've seen it. And that's just not what you want. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that, uh, I think that's it, man. Just stick with what you got. JD got four minutes tonight. You know, if you, you plug Grayson into his spot, then, you know, Grayson probably plays more than four minutes. And then where, where do those minutes go? It, it just, to me, it's asking for trouble. Yeah. Probably ends up cutting Melton's minutes, which I don't, I just don't get it, man. I don't, I don't get, I mean, you got it. We beat this like a dead horse, but I mean, it, it, this thing, they, they said this was a developmental season. And if you, you look at these guys, I mean, you have Melton, Bain, uh, DB, uh, Cal. If, if you look at these guys and you think about, okay, going forward, who's going to be on this roster? And, and if one of these guys is gone, you're thinking it's probably, probably Grayson. And on top of that, you paid Melton this summer. So I, and, and there's always been this thought that there's some manipulation from the front office where they're kind of puppet mastering uh, Taylor Jenkins telling, well, you need to play this guy more. You need to do this. or this guy needs to start. I just don't see, I can't believe that if that was the case, that they wouldn't be telling him, make sure you play Melton. But that hasn't been the case, man. I don't know what it is about Grayson. Early on, people, the people that defend Grayson would say, oh, well, it's the shooting, but it's not even that anymore. I mean, Melton has struggled lately. They both struggle, but yeah, that, uh, you, overall, you don't have that. No, overall, that argument holds no, no weight. Man. Overall, Melton has been the best three-point shooter percentage-wise on the team this year. So you can't even use that anymore. I, I don't know what it is. That's always been. That's going to be going to be one of the head scratchers looking back at this season. I think is why it's why when when you look at Grayson versus Melton, why does Grayson went out in that situation? Because nothing about their play says that. I, I mean, because Melton brings also brings it on the defensive end, which is something that Grayson is is not going to give you. I mean, Grayson makes also plays at times, but he's not the defender two-way player that Melton is. And if Melton's going to make threes, there's just no argument there. I, I just, I, I've never understood it, and I don't know if we'll ever know the answer to that. Maybe, like you said, when we get the, the, the John Morant last dance here in 15 years from now, maybe we'll get the answer yeah. to some of these questions, but I don't think we'll, think we'll know it many times soon. Yeah, yeah, I, I agree with you, man. Uh, I really, I've got nothing else on tonight. Honestly, that's a, this is a game. Yeah. That, not, yeah you know, not much we, to say we, about this one. We, we wanted, wanted them to win. It was a game they were expected to win. And those have not went well for this team recently. Actually pretty much through the course of the year, the games that they were supposed to win, they struggled with um, getting healthy. Hopefully they keep them out, you know, carry this momentum into the game against the Pelicans on Monday the Pelicans will be without Zion Williamson, and it looks like Brandon Ingram may or may not play. Him playing is in question at this point right now as well. So, yeah, I mean, that, that, I think that's a game that you 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 been you got to win, man. I'm yeah. tired of losing to the Pelicans, man. And, and you got no Zion. You that's you got to take care of business, especially in a situation that they're in, man. They can't can't lose this game. And what I, I just want to see them play well. Uh, I want to see the momentum as far as rotation, continue into the next week. And hopefully by the time that they get to that game on Sunday, we are kind of seeing what we saw this team from this team before the slump. I would love to to have a situation where they're playing really well and going to Golden State because, I mean, that could be a fantastic game. I mean, I think it's a situation where all those games on that last day of TBA, we kind of talked about this the other day, um, that's a possibility of game I think that they could pick up for NASA television because it would have such an impact if it comes down – the seating between those two teams. I mean, that would just be a, a huge game. Um, and, and I think it would be fun to have that, that situation. I mean, you got Ja 
versus Steph. I mean, the two two of the stars of the league. Uh, you got Jaron coming back playing well. I mean, leading score tonight. Uh, I want to want to shout him out. Twenty points for the team. I mean, that's really really good to see. Uh, I, I really him being back at the starting lineup, man, but scoring twenty points. It wasn't wasn't efficient at all, man. But he he started to look more and more like himself, and I think that's a good thing. I think he felt comfortable in the starting lineup. You talk to him. We talked to him in the presser tonight. You could just tell that how, that he, he he felt a lot better. It was almost like it was a sigh of relief for him to be back in the starting lineup, and it looked good tonight, man. Twenty points from him. I got no problems with that. If he can get, if he can give you twenty, man, I think you you feel good about that. You just kind of want those efficiency numbers from three to go up a little bit, but I think he'll be fine. Yeah, you, but, you get a couple more of those threes to fall, and you're looking at nearly a thirty point game from him. So I know, yeah, and it wasn't even. It's not like it was even like a a tough situation. I mean, it was kind of like an easy 20. It wasn't like he was just out there putting like really, really high usage. I mean, it's just, but I mean, seven to 17 from the field. Uh, what was he from three, three of 10. Yeah. Three so if 10, you get that up yeah. to get that to five to 10, man, you, you cook. Uh, if you get it back to that level, that Venice Jared, if you get it back to that level, but yeah, man, five games left Pelicans on Monday. They got a couple back to backs. Pelicans on Monday, Mavericks on Tuesday, back to back Sacramento and close it out on Sunday at Golden State. But I think, you want to be in that eight seed. I mean, because it gives you, it, it puts you in a different spot because you in eight seed. Say you play, you, you probably you end up playing the Lakers or the Blazers if you're eight. E- even if you lose that game, what I like about that spot is that you have the opportunity to, to host a game to put yourself in the playoffs. Even if you lose that first game, and I, I think that's what because I, I just think it's, it's it's definitely advantage over nine because of that. I feel good even if they would lose that, that eight game. I think. You look at by possibly a, 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 a matchup with with San Antonio possibly um, in that second game, and I think at home the Grizzlies versus San Antonio. I know Pop is a great coach, and San Antonio's had our number, but they didn't have it this year. I think the Grizzlies are the better team, and I think they would end up the eight seed in that scenario. So, hopefully, man, they can they can find a way, man. It's going to be a battle, I think, between them and Golden State here all all through the next week. Golden State's schedule home, all home games, uh, so we'll see what happens. They're taking care of business tonight. Uh, Oklahoma City Thunder. It's like they're going to sweep them in those two games. So not going to get yeah. the help tonight. But, um, again, man, I think they got an opportunity here, and I'd love to see them finish in that A spot. Yeah, Port- Portland is beating San Antonio by 11 right now. They're probably going to put them away. Still a lot of time left in that ball game. But I, I, I think, think that, that the Grizzlies – I, I think that, you know, eight or nine is where they're going to be. And I'm with – they. to me, eight is where you want to be. If, sure. you're in the, if you're in the 9-10 game and you have an off game, that's the end of your it's season. Yeah. If you're in that 7-8 game and you have an off game, you've got a chance to bounce back. And, and I definitely, well, so. definitely would rather be in that situation with the game at the Forum, chance to make it. We'll see what happens. Golden State's been playing well. Steph Curry is playing out of his mind, getting some MVP talks from certain guys. I don't know that he's there. Their record's not good enough to me. But he's definitely uh, definitely playing well. It's going to be a, uh, a great last week of the season. We will be back with you. We actually will not be here with a post game on Monday night. Unless, Isaac, you're going to do a solo Monday night? Well, we'll see. You're going you to be at the game, right? Yeah, yeah. I will be at the forum watching the game. Got, so if, if you're going to be at the I, game, holler at me on Twitter. Let me know. I, I like to put uh, faces with names. Just uh, just holler at me. I'll be happy to meet you. I know it's COVID. We ain't got to hang out and shake hands <laughs> and all that stuff, but I'm, I'm happy to meet you guys. So holler at me. Well, my we son, I will some, definitely yeah. be there. We need to, we need to send some, some good vibes. The Grizzlies haven't, 
haven't won a game this year when Davis been in attendance. But that's gonna change yeah. on Monday, man. It's, it, you're you're what it's gonna take to end this curse against the Pelicans, man. It's, it's all on you, man. A lot of responsibility. <laughs> I'll take <laughs> it, man. I will take it. That's uh, I got. I don't know. I, I've tried everything, man. I, I'm I'm generally not a, a a really superstitious person, but you know, I said the, the the Anthony Melton thing. I pick him up on my fantasy team. The dude <laughs> falls flat on his face, and then I drop him, and here you go. He bounces back. So maybe I'll uh I'll, I'll order a Pelicans T-shirt before Monday and, and wear that to the game, and that'll let the Grizzlies win. Yeah, the reverse, reverse the psychology. Team. Yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, we appreciate you tuning in. You can get the show on Twitter at HoopBallGrizz. I am at DWill2111. And I haven't done this in a while. I'm going to do it right now before Isaac gets us out of here. We still have the promo code with MyBookie.ag. It is the best online sports book out there. More lines and better odds for the players than anywhere else. The promo code is HoopBall. Go over there and sign up. Use our promo code. They will match your initial deposit. And our guy here at HoopBall, Dan Bespris, has a gift for you. If you go over, you sign up, you make a new account at mybookie.ag using the promo code HoopBall. Dan has a gift for you. So go and get it done. Screenshot it. Tweet it, Dan. Let him know you've done it. And you're going to get the deposit match plus a gift at mybookie.ag. Isaac, let them know where they can find you and get us out of here, man. Yeah, real quick, man. I asked Anthony Melton about the magnitude of these uh, five games they have remaining with Stanley's been so close and he basically said they they know how big it is. I mean, never too high, never too low. So hopefully they're going to these games with the right mindset. I'm excited. It's going to be a big week, but you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals. Like uh, David said, we won't be here on Monday night with a post game, uh, but we'll be back Tuesday night uh, after the Grizzlies take on the Dallas Mavericks. So we have a couple games to break down. So make sure you join us again, join us there. Uh, go over at Hoopball Grizz. Give us a follow. Again, you can find me on Twitter at Isaac underscore rivals. And for David Williams, I've been Isaac Simpson. Talk to you on Tuesday night. Until then, go Grizz. This has been a Hoopball presentation.